podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, Orange Forest Focus, not when Forest face Liverpool tomorrow as they look to preserve their Premier League status. We'll discuss that game in full and look at the possibility of Forest leaving the city ground as they reach an impasse with the City Council this week. Joining me today to discuss all that, first of all, is Pete Blackburn. Pete, good morning. How are you? I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you? Uh, not too bad at all. Not too bad at all. Second guest today is David Prutton. Prutz, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Looking forward to this and chewing the fat and seeing what we've all got to say. Good. And the third guest today is third appearance of the week. He's only here because Prutz is here. You basically said it before we started recording. It's Greg Mitchell. How are you doing, Greg? I'm good. I know we're a little bit late, but people are wishing each other good evening in the chat. So, uh, Worldwide yeah. audience. We'll get there in the end. Yes. Uh, Whose fault was it we were late, Greg? Tell everybody. Come on. It was Matt. So was exactly. Problem, problem with his mic. Well, I hadn't plugged it in. That was the problem. I hadn't plugged, I mean, I hadn't plugged my camera in. Plugged my page mic one in. of the podcast manual. Plug your microphone in. <laughs> Good morning to Keith in Zanzibar, uh, Tony in Somerset. Who else have we got? Uh, that's not really around the world, Somerset, is it? Miles in Sydney, uh, Nikolovsky in Western Australia and uh, probably lots of other people uh, all around the world. So good to have you with us. Right, I just want to, before we get into Liverpool and uh, the City Grand Chat, mop up our last few bits on the May United game that we didn't discuss at all this week, but sort of been in the headlines. Um, Prutz, you, you were there. You got paraded what? at half-time. Rotten fruit and shame shouted at you. Which actually was a little bit disappointing. I was, I was expecting maybe a ripple of a certain... Swear word that rhymes with something else, <laughs> which I thought would have been very funny. But then that 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 my twelve year old would have had to, the been able to have to take that on the chin and just probably reinforce what he already knows. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the last two talking yeah. points in the game. I don't think we've touched on it all. Mm. Felipe's uh, potential red card. For, mm. I say grabbing Bruno Fernandez round the throat. I don't know if he gently caressed it or what. It doesn't look like he absolutely laid into him. Uh, Man United fans say he should be sent off. I, I mean, of all the people to grab, I can't believe he was uh, motivated to grab him. Is it a red card or not, do you think? Um, I think it could be interpreted as a red card. I Sometimes with those on the day, it's obviously quite obviously at the discretion of the subjectivity of the referee. I wouldn't have been surprised if it had been a red card. That's not because... Um, um, the game's gone soft or anything like that. I just think, again, modern-day referees can interpret it that way. Um, I know that they'll point the finger, and they have done Man United fans with regards to Casemiro in the past, but that's just the way it went, and he didn't get sanctioned, so we move on from that. It's a silly thing to do. Um, it gives the referee an option to put you in a very uh, vulnerable position. But um, either way, if you're a Forest fan, you're happy with the outcome. If you're a Man United fan, you're a bit riled up, but there is a certain element, uh, a faction of that fan base that does feel extremely sorry for themselves, which I just do not get. I presume you've discussed at length um, antics and reactions to challenges, etc., from certain Man United players. Uh, well, no, that was the other thing on the agenda uh, around what mm. Ten Hag said about uh, targeting Bruno. Uh, just quickly, do either Pete or Greg think it was a red card and then we'll move on because it's a couple of days ago? It was, uh, I think it was just one of those freeze frames, wasn't it, that made it look a lot worse than it is. And you've got to look at it, who it was against as well. So I'm going to say never a red. 
It's interesting. I'm looking at a still photo of Rodri grabbing Morgan Gibbs White, and he got sent off for it. And it looks slightly worse than a still, but still, there you go. Uh, Pete, any quick opinion on that or not? Uh, I had a look at the law this morning because I wasn't totally sure how it worked. Um, it looks to me like it's pretty subjective, as Put said. Um, I think it's just a, a, a sort of case for the referee on the pitch to make a decision, to be honest, and VR probably not to get involved because I think the law basically says, are they using excessive force or brutality against an opponent when not challenging for the ball? So I, I, as far as I'm concerned, you wouldn't say for definite that it was those things, but I don't think you could be sort of desperately angry if if the referee did make a decision. So I think it's fine. Stick with it. Cool. Uh, thanks very much, Ollie Bowser, for becoming a member and uh, anyone else who's signed up in the last couple of days. Uh, quite a few have, so I appreciate the support as ever. Uh, I thought it was probably a red, but it was so late in the game. And I think they just wanted it's, to get I mean, the, 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 the bit, There's a couple of comments there, and you're absolutely right when you talk about the laws of the game. But as we've seen, it, it can still be down to interpretation. It's when it becomes anything uh, from the chest upwards towards the neck, the face, etc., it becomes a different... I think um, from from a from an interpretation point of view, when a judgment call point of view, we all look at it differently. If you touch an opponent like that on his arm or on his back, you wouldn't you wouldn't think twice, would you? That's just the way that it goes. And and quite frankly, when you see these things happen, um, Carabao Cup fan, for example, you saw I think it was Connor Bradley and um, Ben Chilwell go for it mm. with a bit of the leaning. Categorically, if a referee went up to the to the two players and said, "Go on, then." If you have a dust up, it would never ever happen, and I'm, that is taking it down to a bit more of a ridiculous position. But it would never happen at all. So, interpretation of what you see in a football pitch as opposed to what you see in a in a scrap are, are completely different things. But again, they're the parameters that we're working with within professional football. It looks utterly pathetic. It's laughable. Um, you're talking about endangering the safety of an, of an opponent. There is an element of a, again a subjective call on that. But because of what modern-day football is, it will always be looked at in a very serious way. So I think, yes, um, I could fully understand if he was sent off, but he wasn't, and you move on. Yeah. Uh, Chilwell was funny. Picking on, like, the skinniest, youngest member of the Liverpool team. and But let's be it, honest, and... the, the team at Liverpool sounds double hard anyway. So I wouldn't, you wouldn't do that. <laughs> Regardless of the 15, 16, 17, it'd still probably knock you out. So if <laughs> you pick your targets, regardless of how old they are. Go after Fulham's youth team. I'm sure they're a lot softer. Uh, just quickly, we're almost 10 minutes in. We haven't got to Liverpool yet. Uh, was there ever an opponent you wanted to knock out, Prots, regularly every time you played? Oh, you could name here or, not? or a teammate. Plenty of teammates, yeah. And that, that was probably reciprocated to me. It's just, I mean, watching it. So you, you sat there and I was watching it with, my, my, like I said, my son, my daughter was there as well, my wife. And not that they're particularly offended by the antics of footballers. But you just watch it. And I, so then I go and watch. Um, my son play on a Saturday morning, grassroots type stuff. And you come away really quite frustrated, uh, angry to a certain degree. But then you realise why kids are acting like they are, because they watch professionals act like they are. And, and it, that, that twee sentiment of the setting an example, I don't know whether there's either an appreciation or a, or a botheredness about the fact that that is the case. But they will watch that. So Bruno Fernandes is a very, very good footballer, a very good footballer, um, one that I could have got nowhere near at all over the course of being any good at what I did as a job. The, the regularity that he goes down with, the ability to fall and look at the ref at the same time, how, how cynical is that? Oh, it's a foul ref. Where are you? There you are. What's your thoughts? Just 
just really, and again, it's it's not it's not bashing a, a, a continental player that's come to play in England. Um, it's not it's not a because we've seen English players and British players that are just as adept at doing that type of thing. It, it just looks ridiculous. Um, it it really leaves a sour taste in the mouth because every single tackle then becomes them trying to get the opposition. But when it's a contact sport and these things happen, not every single coming together of a player needs sanctioning by the referee. Not every single coming together is a foul. So mm. the, the the continual going down and, and then the absolute um, utter anger about um, the same thing happening to a, a, a tackle going into a Forest player and, and the frustration and the anger about it being awarded against them is just, it's 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 insane to see. And like I said, I've been part of the problem in the past. I've played professional football. I've seen these things happen firsthand. I've been a fairly robust player in my time, but it's you just watch it and it's it's just rubbish. And then that's exacerbated by the manager getting the hump because Fulham will put something on TikTok about the same thing, and you're going, Manchester United are getting riled up by Fulham's TikTok. Yeah, what what Twilight Zone are we living in? It's what what I, I don't. So therein lies a team that was built on absolute greats, super tough people. Uh, and serial winners. And what it is now, I think, is a pale imitation, unfortunately. Mm, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, the notion they targeted him is, is ridiculous because Ryan Yates fouled him once, and I don't, that I can think of. And I, I remember because it wasn't a foul where he gave him a shove on the back. Was someone going to come in then? Sorry. Yeah, that, that's what annoyed me more than anything, like with Ten Hogg's comment saying that we targeted him. He's the one giving them the excuse to act like they do on the pitch because he's weak. He's sleepwalking out of the Man United job. Everyone can see that. And then he's doing these stupid press conferences. He's never learned from how he treated the Sancho situation. Mm. And he's still coming out with utter rubbish now. He's like, he's embarrassing that football club. And he will be out the job at the end of the year anyway. And he won't be missed. And he looked like he was going to be one of the, the maybe bright sparks managers in the Premier League. But he's certainly not shown it so far. Right, let's move on to the business of the day then, Liverpool. Sorry, one, one last thing, Matt, just because I thought <laughs> thought about it walking the dog just now. When you are in favour and in vogue, it's a wonderful thing to see. And seeing the affection that Mario is held in by Forest fans is, is really great. <laughs> to the point where there was a, a moment in the first half where a pass back to Matt Turner got a huge <laughs> round of applause. And it, you are kind of suddenly going... Wow, I mean, he's using everyone's good books at the moment, isn't he? It was, it was a 15-yard back pass with no one on. It was like, <laughs> and you're just thinking, I mean, that is a sweet spot as a player. He deserves it because he's wonderful. The way he goes about playing is great. Um, and, he's, and he's an absolute joy to watch and a real great ambassador for Forest. But I just thought, wow, mate, <laughs> keep up the good work because you've got 25,000 people right on your side there. It was great. Uh, Liverpool at home then. Very good, very good. Sorry, we're 11 minutes in. No one's complaining that we're not, not talking about the game, so I guess people are still on board with what we're saying. Um, right, Pete, how are you feeling about this game? We, we discussed it a bit yesterday with Greg and Fletch, and we were not resigned, but we were recognising how difficult it would be. What are your initial thoughts on the game? Um, <clears throat> before I answer that, how much is it going to annoy you if I just make one more comment about Man United and Ten Hag? <laughs> Because uh, because I would like, um, I didn't I didn't want to jump in because Greg and perhaps were doing such a good job of hammering this miserable Manchester United team. <laughs> no, go um, for it. We'll, we'll see how far into the show we can get before we talk about the show. Yeah, <laughs> I think I can get us to thirteen minutes easy. Um, I just wanted to say, modern football is just absolute BS, isn't it? So much of the time, 
you can't have any interest in what managers are saying after games. This is the same manager who I'm pretty sure I read recently described Anthony as unstoppable. I'll, I'll take what he says with a pinch of salt. <laughs> um, anyway, I'll move on. 12 minutes, we're all right. Um, Liverpool, I mean, it's a daunting proposition because they're very good. They've got something intangible extra to play with at the moment, haven't they? This whole Klopp situation and... Sometimes there's a feeling that those things bring brings fans and players and staff together and obviously they're going to be overwhelming favourites for the game. But, I mean, a big part of me just thinks, isn't that what we're here for? Um, you know, there's no point getting promoted to the Premier League and then having your tail between your legs, bricking yourself every time there's a big game. I think that goes for players and for fans. So, I mean, I've got a few thoughts on it. The first thing, when it comes to the fans, I think, I just don't think we can overstate the importance of the fans playing a part in this. It's going to have to be big and we need to step up because it's been a difficult season in the stands. Um, we've got the whole second season sort of syndrome and the change of expectations and what that does to an atmosphere. And I think we've all felt different going to games from time to time. And that sort of sense that you should be getting results has really changed things from just like hope and opportunity being the sort of focus. Um and with the sort of situation with Cooper and the looming threat and of relegation and PSR and all that sort of stuff, it's been difficult. But the, the fact of the matter are, we, we might not be here next season. We might not be here again. You know, it was a long time last time. I think it's time that we make it count. And I really hope that we're all going to that game with the real sort of feeling that we're going to make it, make it something special. Because we've dragged this club over the line before and we can do it again. And I don't think that, that is overstating things. I don't think it's overstating what fans can do in, in football because you only have to be at the city ground last season to see how special it can be and what it can do for a team. So that's my first first thoughts on things. I mean, in terms of the actual match, they're obviously a brilliant side with brilliant players. I think we'll probably talk later about the injuries and, and such like. Um, and the context of the game means that it's it's pressurised because whether we can get points or not is one thing, but we need to escape the game without an absolute beating because the rest of the season is is important and confidence is going to be fragile, and these things can make a difference. So we need to we need to put in a, a good account for ourselves. Um, I don't think it would be a miracle if we got something out of the game. I think I don't think we should get trapped in this feeling of we're small and and weak and they're brilliant. Um, it, it really isn't something that happens very, very occasionally in, in the Premier League where, where teams surprise teams like this. It happens semi-regularly. We can be that team. We've got the players to do it, but we'll have to be bloody good and we'll have to be focused and we'll have to be at our best and we'll have to be lucky and they'll probably have to not have a great game. But it does happen and it does happen throughout these Premier League seasons. They are not perfect. They might be brilliant, but they're not perfect. So I think we need to go into the game with a bit of optimism. Um I can talk in more detail and do lineups and stuff, I guess. But those are my sort of general feelings that I feel like there's a sense of resignation around the whole thing. And both the players and particularly as fans need to really avoid that, I think. Um, Klopp's press is at 12.30. So we'll get an injury update then around um, Salah and Darwin. Um, I think they're the main two. I don't think anyone else would, would come back in. So um, how do you want to see Forrest go about the game, Greg? We'll get into lineups and whether we need to be more defensive in our setup, but you can still carry a threat with that what what do you want to see from Forrest uh, as they, when they kick off well I always want to see us go straight for it but it's not going to be the that's not going to be the plan is it um I think we've got to just go for get individuals get them riled up get them on yellow cards you know a little bit worried in the middle of the park and and just keep it as tight as we can for the first half and then like we did last year really see see if we can get that break that that 
counter-attack will be key and we, we seem to be working on that and getting a little bit better and more chances as each game goes by and it is that counter-attack that will get us the goals because as we've discussed in length yesterday, we're not going to be able to rely on set pieces or corners or things like that. Our key, our big strength is that counter because we're going to be under so much pressure right up our end of the pitch that getting that break will be the, the way that we score the goals just like we did last year against them. Uh, thank you very much, Jonathan Wright, for coming a member as well. Appreciate that, Jonathan. I mean, if you're in the Forest dressing room, right, obviously the manager decides the tactics, but mm. how would you want to go about a game like this? I think it's very <clears throat> important, going off Pete's point, that Forest don't become part of Liverpool's story. As a football fan, it is, and I'm a huge fan of Jurgen Klopp, I'm a huge fan of his Liverpool teams, um, watching them as a story has been a real joy if you do love football, like we all love football. But the partisan nature of what Saturday is, is not getting swallowed up in his victory lap. If, if you are part of Nottingham Forest, it's, it's, it's lovely for the romance and the history of the Premier League, but I would be very, very motivated to spoil that as much as I possibly could, not just to spoil Jurgen Klopp's farewell, but to get three points that mean... A hell of a lot to Forest. Um, the the parameters that Forest will meet them in are you, you couldn't really if, if you're looking at it on paper, as you say, there's an update with Salah and I mean Christ Nunez looked pretty fit to me, vaulting the the hoardings to get onto the pitch. Um, so potentially he'll be back in in amongst it. But if you are wanting to play one of the big teams, big air teams, sorry, in uh, in the Premier League, then now's the time to play them without a lot of their very best players. Yes, these young players have come in and done very, very well, um, but they are still young players and there's a lot of experience uh, in the Nottingham Forest side to be able to upset what they believe they can come to the city ground and do. So it's a case of keeping the tempo high. It's a case of being aggressive in the press, not allowing players to go in ones and twos when you go hunting down the ball, um, staying relatively compact. And as Greg was saying there, if, if, if they're going to try and hit you on the break, then limit the space where they can hit you on the counter-attack, stop it, source, and make sure that the team's set up. It's going to take another almighty 100 minutes worth of concentration, of hard work. Don't get bored of doing the things that are getting you decent, uh, a decent foothold in the game. And as and when the chances come, take them. A couple of decent balls put in by Harry uh, uh, on the Man United game, one which um, Morgan was only literally kind of half a hair's width off. More of that, more of a commitment to getting forward. And, and Pete's absolutely right. Yes, Nottingham Forest are where they are. Yes, Liverpool are where they are. But they're not at full strength. Forest are relatively at full strength. And they're at home. It's, it's not a cup tie. It's not a championship club against the Premier League club. Go after them. Create chances. Commit bodies into the box without being cavalier. That's that's what Forest have done when they've been at the best this season. And and I think Saturday's the perfect stage for it. Don't be frightened. Don't be part of Liverpool's story. Don't. Do your own story this Saturday. Um, as James says in the comments, uh, it's Salah Nunes and Slobachai might come out back. He was also joining in the celebrations. So, yeah, good <laughs> players, all three. Um, with all that in mind then, Pete, it's kind of like Prot says, do you think it's mostly about Forrest, you know, delivering what they can deliver. And if Liverpool turn up and absolutely turn it on, then there's not that much you can do in some games. But if we turn up and put a 10 out of 10 performance in, then you, you do have a chance, certainly. 
Yeah, you do. I mean, I must admit, I got got lost in a bit of a reverie there when Pratt was speaking. I can see why he was a captain in those dressing rooms. I don't know. Do you do you offer? <laughs> they got um... sent off early doors for smashing. <laughs> <laughs> got minutes. too fired yeah. up. Too much. I, I was going to ask if you offer some sort of life coaching service because I could really do with you as sort of captain of my life. Just really, I know, got made that scratch the surface. Your, your, all you see is a swan paddling like that, and then sort of slowly sinking. Um, an armband on. True to form, I've sort of forgotten the question. I think you're asking if we focus on us or them, weren't you? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think um, others have probably sort of stated this stuff already, really, but we will need to be lucky. We'll need that regardless of what happens in the game, whether they're good, whether we're good, whatever. We'll need shots to hit the post and go out of play rather than bounce back into the path of the striker. We'll need refereeing decisions to go all our way, all that, all of that stuff. And I think most of all, we need to be insanely focused, organised and play every minute with intent being switched on, brave, aggressive. Those things apply to set pieces like we've talked about, but they apply to the whole game, and particularly a game like this. I mean, they when I've watched them, they attack teams relentlessly through the middle of the pitch. They've got this attacking quartet of players because one of those sentiments was always up there with the others who are so dangerous and so fluid and so relentless that we'll have to be on our games for every minute, as, as Put said. But I do think that, that sort of mentality side of things from us is the biggest part of it. We obviously have to prepare for them and think about their threats. And my lineup will show that I've done a bit of that um, in my own um, non-professional way. Um, but I do think we've got some of the personnel to do the job. And if we can right between showing all of those things and also having the intent, and I think most particularly having the efficiency when we break, doing it well, because we can't afford to be breaking and passing loose balls and it not going our way. We're not going to get loads of opportunities. When we do it, it's going to have to be sharp and it's going to have to be precise and good. And we can do that. That's our great strength, right? When when we transition and counter-attack and we do it well, we are brutal and teams can't live with it. And that's going to be the same for Liverpool as it is for anyone. I don't see a reason why that can't be the case. They're going to be high up the pitch, dominating in our half. Gives us an opportunity to do it. Taiwo, we've seen what he can do against players like Van Dyke. He can occupy Van Dyke. That is not a one-sided battle. He can do that job. He will leave space in behind if we can go get it. Uh, I, I think there are opportunities for us in the game and we need to focus on that as well as as on them and be optimistic about it. Um, just before we come to our lineup, then let's take a word for our sponsors, the Trent Navigation. Uh, it'd be great to be down there pre-match on Saturday. I imagine it'll be a really good atmosphere. Uh, obviously, uh, bars inside and out, barbecue, food on sale as well. And then uh, go to the game, enjoy the game, uh, come back and you could watch uh, Luton hopefully lose to Villa. So it should be uh, a great occasion pre-match. Here is just a little taster of what it is like on match day there. Ah, I was going to say let's go to our lineup, and then I can't find the lineup in the in the graphics. Of course, here we go. Here we go. Sorry. Right, this is Pete's lineup, but it's sort of my lineup as well. It's what I kind of came to having just chatted with him on WhatsApp last night, really. So slightly different to normal. Same personnel, slightly different shape. I'll read it out, and then we'll get some thoughts on it. Um, Matt sells in goal. Uh, Nuno did press yesterday, and there was no mention of Sells being injured or anything. So we'll kind of assume that he's fit. And then the update around the Afcon players was that Willie Bolly's close, Ibrahim Sangare is close, Olerain is still out, and Chris Wood's close. So uh, that's what he said. So maybe we'll see 
was perhaps going. Maybe we'll see uh, a couple of those lads on the bench. I don't know. But this is a reasonable approximation of a team, I think. So Matt Sells in goal, Nico Williams right back, Felipe Amarillo, central defence, Harry Toflo left back. And then we've got Danilo sitting as a number six. Uh, and then a four-man midfield, Ilanga, Gibbs-White, Dominguez and hudson Adoy with then Taiwo up front. So it's 4-1. Uh, 4-1, yeah. So, Pete, what's your general thoughts on that? And then we'll get into some specifics. Uh, just before I comment on that, there's a, a very lovely comment from Danscape in the uh, in the comments saying that if Brut still had his Jesus look, I'm pretty sure Pete would join his cult. <laughs> For, firstly, that's true. Secondly, I'd be, I'd be fighting Greg Mitchell for a top spot in that court. With that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, on the, on the line, on the line, I sort of I had to call a bit of a, a, a war committee to, to discuss this with some friends last night because I, I just don't feel any great confidence about making these selections at the best of times. And obviously, it's a particularly difficult game. My sort of instinct is that we need to balance worrying about them. And, and the threat that they pose, but also making sure that we pose that threat ourselves. So what I've done is picked what I think is the best 11 footballers available in you know relatively sensible positions, hopefully. But I've just tweaked it slightly by moving to that 4-1-4-1 in the hope that we can look to be compact, tight. We'll probably have to have the wingers tucking in and giving away some of that wide space because I think the biggest threat is, is going to be lots of bodies through the middle and the interchange between those attacking players is frightening at times. So we're going to need numbers in there, I think. So it's hopefully just pulling us into a shape that I think gives us a little bit more of a chance to do that defensive job while also keeping the players on the pitch who are able to nick the ball, firstly. Um, Dominguez and Gibbs White are both pretty good at that. Um, and then to find someone who can who can take us into the counter-attack and have those uh, speedy and sort of threatening wingers um, out wide as well. I sort of think we need that. I was tempted to think about teams whether, whether we played a box in midfield and really sort of clogged up the middle of the pitch and various other options, but I want to be optimistic about the game and I want to play to our strengths. And I think realistically, this is a very different team to the Cooper team. I don't think we've got it in us probably to find a nil-nil draw in a game like this. I think we need to be thinking about our threat and how we can try and get the goals that will, will bring us a point or even more. Um, so that's what I've hopefully done. I think those are the best players in form available um, at the moment. So it's the team that makes sense to me, but I could understand criticism of it because I'm not desperately confident. Um, what do you think about that team, Greg? And I'll ask you about Gio Reyna as well. I don't think he would start this game, but you've been advocating for Gio Reyna to get minutes and he doesn't look anywhere near it. Um, I mean, is there a case would you start... Uh, him as an extra 10? Would you play something different? Is that too defensive? What, what do you think about that lineup? Yeah, I mean, I think Danilo's the talking point in there, but he's well and truly earned his spot recently. I think he's done excellent the last few games. Um, was Origi in there or was he not? No. Like, I think he's played really well recently as well. And, you know, Rainer's not a realistic option to start, just that he hasn't played any minutes at all. If he had have come on on the FA Cup game, for longer than three minutes, then absolutely there's a chance, but it, it's not it's not a discussion that one. But I do feel like Origi with his strength and how he's played a little bit behind the strikers could could be an option. I wouldn't be surprised to see him start tomorrow. But yeah, I mean that like you say, Pete, that's probably our, our strongest individual eleven players that we've got at the minute. So yeah, it's a it's a sensible lineup. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> 
I do think Origi probably actually will start. I'm not sure yeah. we'll see that line that we're suggesting. But in principle, Prutz, is it is it a game? You're not going to win and lose it in midfield, but Liverpool are so powerful in there with Endo mm-hmm. and McAllister now mm-hmm. and uh, is Curtis Jones fit or Slobazai, whoever it is. It feels like that's a game where you have to at least match them and hold them to some degree, don't you? Yeah, I think because it, it was I think it was Gomez that played in midfield against Southampton during the week. Um, yeah, you absolutely do, and I think that formation that we just saw there from Pete shows there's a real sense of numbers in there. Um, Dominguez is is one that intrigues me because um, the, the the there's a, a player in there as you say with the energy and the ability to get back the football pitch. I just think it's a, a level of consistency that needs to be brought. But I mean, you could use that stick to beat several Forest players and the squad as a whole, really, because that's that tends to be the case. Um, and I think Danilo, Danilo, as you were mentioned, um, I thought has kind of played his way into something of a, of a relatively regular first-team spot. Origi is another one that intrigues me. I think the more that he plays, I, f- I feel we're seeing what all the fuss is about, really. I know he was used very much as an impact player for, for Liverpool, but I think... The, the touch of class that he brings on the ball going forward, I think, is something that we, we uh, Forest really do need because of those chances. Going back to Pete's point, that may be few and far between, so we need that ability to unlock a defence and then someone to take those opportunities. But that starting eleven there, I know Ryan Ryan Yates has been mentioned in the comments, and um, I, I thought what he brought against United was a, a pleasing sense of urgency, but I totally get why the makeup of the midfield might look slightly... Uh, it might be a, a, a bit more quality about it, and I mean that with the greatest respect to Ryan, um, if, if he if he starts from the bench, because, as you quite rightly say, Matt, it is about winning the ball in the middle of the pitch, but it's about using it as positively and, and responsibly as possible once you win it back, and hopefully the team... A mixture of that team, and I'm no, no doubt what Greg's got to put up in just a second... In there, there's, a, there's an 11 Never in here that asked. can beat Liverpool at home, definitely. I, I know that's a big ass, like I said. And, and if you take Rob Edwards's um opinion on what he saw from his side at Anfield, he said, Yes, Luton were good, but Liverpool were just better. That's what we've got to be very, very wary of. Hang on, hang on a minute. I didn't even hear what Prod said at the end there. Greg saying he didn't ask. Greg said what? Greg said he didn't get asked to send a lineup. That's not true. Brilliant. Well, this is going to make the next five minutes really eggy, isn't it? Can you hold your phone up, Greg, and the WhatsApp that you sent him? <clears throat> well, yeah. No, it I'm doesn't sh- matter. Oh, why worry. doesn't it matter? No, because uh, people don't care for you. Uh, if well, we spend I mean... another five minutes arguing about it. <laughs> and I might be wrong as well. Here's a thing that I hadn't really thought of much until the other day. Like uh, Yates was an interesting example, Prutz. Like he played really well for an hour, and Zino played really well for an hour, and then they looked knackered, and Tywo looked mm. knackered. Are our players fit enough? Should you be getting knackered at this stage of a game of a season? Well, I suppose you'd look at regular game time with regards to players uh, coming in. The Tywo one is one that um, intrigues me. I saw there was a, a post on on Twitter about it. Um, and obviously working his way back to full fitness. But it's been a while since he's been in and around, back in and around the first team, isn't it? And I think um, it's a tricky one because I I can't think for a second at all, given Nuno coming in and where he wants this team to get to, that there isn't a lot of hard work. And when I say hard work, I mean that in relative terms, a lot of footballing hard work that goes on 
in the um, on, on the training pitch uh, for, from a from the physical fitness side because Nottingham Forest's squad is nowhere near good enough to be as fit, if not fitter than. 95% of the teams in the Premier League. There's, there's absolutely no excuse for that. And if the players aren't fit enough, then it's the conditioning and the actual attitude of the players. And now I've not heard anything along those lines. I don't think any of us have, have we really, with regards to their approach and, and how, how tough the um, the training is. But I would be shocked if they weren't being pushed, within reason, obviously, with a lot of games coming up between now and the end of the season. Um, but yeah, 60 minutes in to be, even if you are a player that's in and out the side, 60 minutes into a, t- a game against the team at, uh, against Manchester United is it would what I would class as unacceptable. Being if you're blowing out your backside an hour into a game as a professional footballer, then there's serious questions that need to be asked. I can't find that message. Perhaps I'll have to issue an apology to Greg. All I can find is Mikey second. going off on Turner in the group chat saying, yeah. <laughs> Second apology of the day. So, it's not a full apology. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll take I'll, it. I'll, I'll score properly. Accepted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any final thoughts on the game, Greg Mitchell? I'm very sorry. Uh, just make it a famous city ground night. Remind the council, the owners, everyone why it's so important. We're at that stadium. Because it is such a special place. I see, I know we call it the world famous and it is only us that call it it, but it is our world famous city ground, isn't it? And just make it that fortress tomorrow because like Pete said earlier, that could be the difference for us. It was a difference so many times last season, Man City, Liverpool, even like the Chelsea draw. And we've we've got so many special times there and just make tomorrow another one. Apology fully retracted. Will you be doing tomorrow's podcast, mate? I'm happy either way. 10am. If so, could you send me a line up, Tar? Yes, mate, I'm in. Can't let Prutz down. Good man. There you go. <laughs> uh, I was going to swear. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that, that's, um, that's, that's very um, up-to-the-minute news-wise, isn't it? Leaking WhatsApp messages and referencing uh, exactly. messages being sent. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right um we should move on because greg uh very professionally teed up the next topic around leaving the city ground uh there was a story yesterday from east midlands today um forest saying that they might consider moving because they reached an impasse with the council on the freeholds on the city ground which has got um 33 years left which sounds a lot but you you know you have to make decisions in that time if you are going to move stadium so it's basically over the annual figure i think it was a difference of around 700 grand a year or something like that uh what's you just in principle before we get into specifics of actually pondering leaving the city ground greg's already had his say pete would you ever think it's a viable topic or not well, viable is a different question to the one that I want to answer, I suppose. It may well be a viable one, but it's not one I want to consider. Um, I'm not cool with the idea whatsoever. Um, the proposed sites that have been discussed over the years are not city centre sites. They're not close to the heart of Nottingham. All of them would be a massive downgrade. I think we would lose something that makes us incredibly special. And for all the sort of foibles and faults of the location where we are, the fact that often it's quite a rubbish experience in many ways going there for hot water doesn't exist quite a lot of the time and all that sort of nonsense. It's, it's you know, it's often a bit crammed. The commercial facilities aren't great. All that stuff, whatever, viability, I don't care. We stay there. It makes us special. Um, I'm not having this whatsoever. 
Yeah, and the interesting thing, Temp said this the other week, like when I think of building a new stadium, I think of that Spurs stadium, all singing, all dancing. The budget on that is astonishing. I don't know if Forest could produce that or produce something more flat pack King Power Stadium updated 20 years. So, yeah, I, I think I would much rather stay, obviously. What's your take on it all, Prats? Is this going to be a, a messy situation or is it posturing by certainly <clears> one party <throat> to pressure another one, do you mm. think? Well, I mean, if you, if you read... Uh broadly across the country about the perilous state of a lot of councils. I mean, there was an article I was reading about Birmingham City Council and, and the figures that are involved in these governing bodies are absolutely astonishing. You, you just, you presume things just work and things are there, roads are there, uh, amenities are there, facilities are there, things are looked after you, don't you? You just presume that's 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 always going to be the case. But you see these councils that are making up huge deficits in, uh, in income and, and expenditure. So when you hear this particular story and the figures involved, Pete made a good point though. With regard, this was just before we came on um, that the, the 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 money that is being talked about the two hundred and fifty thousand pounds up to a million pounds that that initial smaller figure, Pete, is quite old, isn't it? With regards to well, how yeah, the lease was signed in twenty eleven, so it's an absolute world away. Which, that, as you as you said, it, it's a huge jump in money. But if if you relate that to what we've all experienced across the board in jumps in what things cost and um, expenditure, then possibly to get your head around it, you kind of think, well, if you if you put it in that type of context, then you can see why the figure then becomes somewhere near that. But you still think it's still a, a large sum of money. Um, that's that's the kind of financials. The the romantic in you says that. Forest being there is 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 where they should be, where they've always been. There's so much history in that place. A lot of football now is a bit sanitised and kind of it's got to be box fresh and and and, and squeaky clean. I, I think there's so much charm and, and tradition about the city ground that you would it would be a huge emotional mistake to move. The the, the cynic in me and, and someone trying to play devil's advocate with this is having played at Southampton since they moved to St Mary's and heard the fondness of the Dell, Southampton are a team transformed to the team that played at the Dell. You talked about Leicester City and Filbert Street. Sorry to mention Derby County, but moving from the baseball ground to, to their stadium, you mentioned Tottenham Hotspur, billion-pound stadium, that is, isn't it? It's it's an astonishing outlay of money. Um, I, can, I can understand why there would be a thought process of it would be a very, very um, sharp, immediate painful process but then you might be speaking to a generation of forest fans in 25 years time who are absolutely reveling going to an all singing all dancing <laughs> easily accessible um stadium that they've created for their own because things do move on but having a foot in the past and having an experience of that place and knowing what it brings and what it is and having seen it not just as a player but covering it from a, a punditry point of view when you've got wonderful playoff games when you've got the arsenal game when you've got games where They've done so well to keep themselves in the Premier League. I can absolutely understand if you're a fan why you need to stay there because without history, without tradition, without emotion, what is the point of following a football club? There isn't them. Yeah, yeah, massively. I can see Forest frustration. Like they are saying, we've got we want to invest in this city. We want to, you know, this will bring in income, this will bring in jobs, this is good for the community. Why are you dragging your heels? But then equally the easy thing to say is, oh, the council's skint, they're incompetent, blah, blah, blah. There's obviously a wider debate about why councils are skins and uh, how they're run. And there's, I don't think it's as black and white as people would make out. 
uh, online. I think there's much more to it. And I hope it's just a bit of negotiating tactics and posturing and we'll come to an agreement where even where Forest buy the freehold, a few people are saying that. I don't. The thing is, I, I was going to say, I don't understand all the intricacies of it. And I don't think any of us do. So I think having these massive you know, black and white opinions about it probably way too early at this stage. And I, just I think it's more, it's more to do with what, you, what you're saying, man. And the reason that you have this, the podcast and people get involved in the podcast and, and the same as talking about um, profit and sustainability rules. We, we can talk about them. We can have an opinion on them. But the only reason people follow football is because of how it makes them feel. Maybe that does sound a little bit sway, but if you love the city ground and want to stay at the city ground, you can absolutely, as a fan, dig your heels in and say, no, I'm not remotely bothered about great access, lots of parking, you know what I mean? Some kind of hipster food court that you can go in and watch <laughs> some geezer play music on. There's- Hot water. <laughs> you, you rhinos that don't make you feel physically sick and <laughs> stuff like that but you, you can um, the, the, the intricacies are for people that we all inherently trust to know the intricacies of and if it's if it turns out to be financially better off for Nottingham Forest in the long run then and they do move away from the city ground then yeah it, it would be it would be it would be very very disappointing and heartbreaking to a point. But if it if you if you've still got a football club in hundred years time, and the re, part of the reason was because you moved from one place to another, then it then becomes for the greater good, doesn't it? Which sounds a bit business like, and I don't know anything about it, but there's a potential kind of line of thought. But I get um, that, and sorry, the business side of thing would tell you to move ground. I'm sure they would. If it wasn't a football club, if it was a a normal business, you'd absolutely move your your officers to another area. Um, but people saying it's negotiating tactics, smoke and mirrors, I genuinely believe there's a real risk now because we are at such loggerheads. The council have to get approval from the government now for, for all their funding, basically. So they can't just say, OK, we'll accept this. It has to go to government. So it's not only we're working with numerous councils, it's also a political thing, a Labour councillor. Tory government, it's such a mess where it will get to the point now. I mean, we're, what, five years down the line from when we have initially released these plans and said we were going to do things? How long does the owner wait? You know, we don't <laughs> we don't live forever in this game. He's going to get to the point where he wants his legacy. And I just think as fans, we need to really let them know how important this place is to us, to most of us. I understand some people won't have the same opinion as me, but... That ground is absolutely everything. When Filbert Street got knocked down or the the uh, whatever it was called, the baseball ground, it's not the same. You know, it's not it's not the same as walking over Trent Bridge. That's the most unique experience in football as a fan. And that can't be lost. That has to remain forever. You know, our grandkids have to be able to walk over Trent Bridge and see that. Going to a bowling, wherever it may be, you know, Clifton or Gamston or wherever they find some space for this mega 50,000 seat stadium with a Starbucks on the corner and, you know, a, a nice little whatever, a rubbish pub. It's not going to be the same. Hot water. Yeah, we, <laughs> we can still have success. in. Look at Anfield, the way they've managed to develop that in the most impossible mm. situation, you know. There is always a way to do something. They just have to realise how important it is that we stay there. Can, yeah. I, can I just add as well, Matt, I totally echo everything that Gregor said. And I, I do think that this is a very serious situation now. 
and one in which the fans should be having their say. And we've got an opportunity to do that on Saturday. Let's make sure, let's make sure that everyone everyone sees what this place can be. Um, I just want to add as well. I mean, I'm. I think this is so disappointing that we've got to this position for a, a number of reasons. I mean, not least in 2019, the club announced in an announcement that is still on the club website now that they had extended this lease for 250 years. I mean, it's not the first time recently that we've had statements from the club that have turned out to be nonsense. CPSR, and we're we're sticking with um, with um, with the rules around profit and sustainability. I think that is that is so disappointing. And now to see all this stuff playing out in the press with these sorts of petty tactics as well, I think is is grim. There's obviously a real problem with the with relationships, and as Greg said, it's exacerbated now by a situation where the the city council is in dire straits and commissioners now have been called in. This is not shocking news to anyone. This has been on the cards for a long time. We've known the situation with the City Council and for, for many, many months there's been a situation where they've still been able to make their own decisions but they've had um, financial support from various accountancy and consultancy firms. These deals could have been done and we're talking about an amount of money in difference in negotiation that is minimal in terms of Nottingham Forest. Talking about PSR as a reason for this now, unless you're talking about the wider commercial stuff, which I get, but also there is a commercial argument for staying at the city ground because look at where the sky cameras go when they're at Forest. They're showing that beautiful view. It means something to everyone. It's part of what sells the football club. It does count for something. But from using PSR as an argument, and sorry to go on a, a rant, or as you would have called it, a, a black and white opinion on something I don't know anything about. Um, I, I do think this is important. So we're talking about a situation where, from as I understand it, the difference in the ne negotiation between what Forest were willing to pay and what the council were willing to accept for an annual lease on, on the city ground is something around the region of 200 grand a year. That is nothing to Nottingham Forest in the context of our finances. Obviously, every penny matters, and that is money that will have to be made in commercial revenue or whatever, on TV and all that sort of stuff. But it doesn't take you long to look down the list of players that haven't even ever played for Nottingham Forest that are on our books and will never play for Nottingham Forest to count their daily wages that add up mm -hmm. to that. This is a month and a little bit of Harry Arter, not to use him because I know it's always it's always a, it's always an easy one. But this really is not massive stuff for Forest, and I think with Will, these, this stuff should have been done by now and could have been done by now. I'm incredibly disappointed about it, and I hope that everyone can get together and sort it out and find a way through because the city ground is our home, and it does matter. This stuff does matter. I get Prutz's arguments totally. Look, we could go somewhere else, and we could have a bright future. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. It would cost a lot of money, but obviously if Maranakis is happy to pay that, it's fine and it doesn't cause us any problems in terms of sustainability if it's all done right and all that sort of stuff. It doesn't have to go through PSR. But this stuff doesn't matter. Football isn't just about making money or business for us. For us, This is a community institution. This is, this is a big part of all of our lives. Walking down to the city ground, it, that's what makes the experience. It, all this stuff matters. I don't want to leave and I want Forest fans to have their say about that because I think most people agree. Hmm. Uh, if Tom Cartledge wants to come on here and give a, give his take about well you know the negotiating positions and uh, the finances, then there's an open invitation because it would be interesting. I you can see I can see both sides, and I think politics will be a factor because the council, Labour or Tory, whoever's running it, isn't going to want to be seen as the ones that severed relations with the city and the football ground, and I don't think that will be a good look. So we'll see how it pans out. I think chaps are right that it's a more serious situation than people are saying. Uh, and hopefully it is going public with it. it seems like an escalation that hopefully 
breaks a deadlock. I'm not sure. We shall see. Can, uh, I, just read, right. can I just read one little tweet that I got sent that I thought was brilliant? And it's such an obvious thing that you don't use yours. It's from Febbington, named John. Can't think of another club where anywhere whose crest and anthem are both symbols of their home. Like, moving can never yeah. happen. Hallelujah. And it's true. That just shows how important it is and always has been. Uh, shall we move on? Any final words on this topic before we go? Well, no, safe to say. Oh. <laughs> I've got loads more words, but I don't think I should do any more. <laughs> right. I think we've covered all the topics for today. We're almost 50 minutes in already. Uh, any other business, Greg Mitchell, before we go? I don't think we've spoke about Prutz's half-time appearance enough. <laughs> so, we need to talk about it. What happened? I wasn't there. I, I, do you know, usually I'm in Lower Bridgeford. I got booted out for uh, the Man U fans. So I, I chose my seat on my own. I love I love doing that every summer. Oh, yeah. sat, sat next to this guy called Granville. He's been in... He was in the A block since 1968. Uh, he had his seat that I sat next to him since 1997. Just a brilliant bloke singing all the songs. And he was the one who went, hey, ain't that your mate, Prutz? <laughs> Just as he goes onto the pitch, looks like he's about to tackle one of our subs. My initial thought was, oh, my God, don't injure him. <laughs> there he goes. And then... Uh, Got a shout out. You mentioned the podcast. Yeah, it was, it was brilliant. It's, it's all, all good. I, I was gutted actually because afterwards I was sat in the car on the way home, and what I should have done was nick the ball off him and go and smash it in the net, and then run off, take my top off. <laughs> Did he was, accuse you of being a ball boy or something? Well, he looked at me and he went, "Nice to meet you." And I was like, "You, are, you you've got not saying you have no idea who I am because I'm not remotely bothered about that." But kind of ran off, and the, it, it, the real soft, empathetic look on his face was, "Yeah, you think I've won a competition, don't you?" <laughs> So then jogged off, but it's amazing. So you sat next to someone called Grenville. Yeah. Right. There's one of my very, very closest friends whose family had a pub out in Crockwell Butler called The Plough, not born and bred, Grenville. So I thought he was the only person that I'd ever met called Greg because when I met him, it was one of those I kept going, Graham, Greg, <laughs> what? It was called you Grenville. Do they not like you or something? Oh. And so I've never, ever heard it in my whole life. So there's two people from that specific area. I mean, Maybe there's a history to that particular word, but I, I don't know. But it was a no, it was great I'll tell you what, it was lovely. And when you do go there in, in the lovely kind of um, soft seats that we got and a bit of food. So we, we, we'd we been to what felt like all the boxes. We, we went to the fan park. We went to another uh, park, uh, all these different bits. And I, I, I didn't want to ask uh, the people that were looking after me. I said, is it normally this quiet or is it just because people knew that I was coming? <laughs> because it was really <laughs> dead. So when you're trying to have a conversation over someone eating a pot pie in the corner, oh, tell us what you think about pot. He's, he's in the corner chomping away going, keep it down, please. I'm, I'm eating food. But it was, I'll tell you what, it was lovely. And what, what you're kind of seeing the doing in and around those places is, is great. I mean, the fan part looks fantastic. It's just a shame it was absolutely chucking it down and we were all huddled under this little tent, but it was great. Another well another person that knew at Grenville, Pat Brett, this you're making <laughs> this day, it's a made-up name. It's not, not a name. Uh, did, well, did you mention the podcast at halftime? Is that right? I did. I did, oh, yeah. 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 I, I, I was going to make a smart comment about the name of another podcast then, but, <laughs> but I won't. <laughs> No, there isn't any. A bit of free advertising. That's that's what it's all about now. Good on you. Do you have any other business, Prots? Um, it's not, not compulsory. 
No, no, overlay. We we stayed till 85 minutes and thought we'd make a dash to get out of the Brian Clough park car park. Timed it completely wrong, missed the goal and got stuck in the traffic. But that's kind of <laughs> half the course. But no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and look forward to seeing what uh, what team plots up and what result uh, comes out of Saturday. Pete, anything from you before we go? Uh, just a couple of very small sentimental bits as per. Um, firstly, and I've, I've said this on the pod today already, but anyone who's going to that game on Saturday, please, please make it absolutely insanely noisy and positive and everything that we can be at our best. There's been some really grim games this season where I've gone to where there have been fights in the stands and all sorts of misery. I just don't want to see any of that stuff. I want us to leave that ground, regardless of the result, feeling like we've 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 given everything like we want the players to. So I'd appreciate being part of that. So anyone who's going to be there, come on, let's let's give it something. And just the other thing, it's uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be involved in in this pod and chat to the chaps. And the comments have been incredibly amusing and funny and critical and all those sorts of things today. I've just seen one from somebody called Marte saying, imagine changing the river on the forest badge to the A52, which really made me laugh. <laughs> um, so, no, thanks to everyone who gets involved because it's just an absolute pleasure. And uh, I know it's a point I made a couple of weeks ago, but if you can, times are tight, but if you can, sign up and be a member because I think what Matt's doing here is great. So please do come if you can. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah. There'll be a member stream next week if you sign up as well. We'll do one of those. They're quite good fun. Greg's done one and they were quite a good laugh. Uh, what was the other thing I wanted to say? Oh, yeah. I'm going to watch June 2 in the next couple of hours, which I'm very much looking forward to with Mrs. Day. Day Day. Hi, Matt. Day Day. Brilliant. Yeah. Get a job. I'll do six of these a week, Greg. Yeah. Mitchell. Uh, <laughs> a quick poll. Was it you, any of you go to. Uh, would any of you go to the cinema on your own out of curiosity? It, do, do you want me to, to, a fun fact? I was in, yeah. I uh, broke a metatarsal when I was playing for Southampton. Uh, so I was out for about three months. There was a nice little cinema down there in the um, kind of harbour type bit. I went in on crutches. Uh, I had an automatic, so it was my left foot that was, yeah, it wasn't. So parked up, crutched in, uh, up to the top, sat in the corner, box of popcorn. No one else in the cinema bar and another couple down there. Fellow walks in, looks at his ticket. Walks up all the steps, crutches there, boot up. He went, "Sorry, mate, you're in my seat." <laughs> there, was, there was there was four there were four people in the cinema. So I said, "Shall I move?" Then and he went, "If you could," just so like crutch past him, and like harumphing as a, "Yep, sure, yeah, is it? Yep, yeah, fine, okay, thanks, yeah, brilliant." Pompey fan, probably yeah. yeah. Pompey. yeah. <laughs> I'm bit, probably a Saints fan. I'm, I'm glad you're injured. <laughs> <laughs> Would you go to the cinema on your own, Greg? Yeah, I haven't been to the cinema since God knows. Uh, what What was that war film? 1917, was it? Good film. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. the last time I went to the cinema. I just never go. So, yeah, I'd probably go on my own. No one else would probably go with me. So, yeah. That's a good film. Oh. Five years old. <laughs> Pete, would you? I've, I've got to ask everyone now. Would you go to the cinema on your own? <laughs> We're really hitting all the serious, serious stuff around. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Someone signed up to be a member, so it can't be that bad. <laughs> I, I think doing things on your own is an absolute joy. I don't mean that to sound smutty. I mean, um, going, going, going oh, to... <laughs> Going to, going to Phil's at least you're never disappointed at the end. <laughs> um, I actually went to see One Life last week, uh, which I should add is an absolute belter of a film. If you want to have a good old cry, I'd, I'd thoroughly recommend that. 
Good. I used to go to cinema on my own all the time, and that's why I was hoping for some collective support without putting some backup. <laughs> Nobody's surprised. That's news to me. Thank you to uh, Fonzie Ward for becoming a member. Very much appreciate that. Give me abuse. Right. Uh, well, we'll probably leave it there. If you've enjoyed this and we've covered a lot of ground today, do us a favour, hit like, hit subscribe, give us a good review. Uh, consider becoming a member. Don't go to the cinema, watch this instead. Uh, that'd be great. Uh, Greg Mitchell, thank you very much. Cheers. I'm trying to remember the name of this film we watched in the week and we only got halfway through it. Uh, it's gone. Whatever. It was Greg, a you sound about 70, mate. Come on. <laughs> That's not anyway, my parents. It'll come to me next time. Film. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Pete Blackburn, thank you very much. Absolute pleasure, mate. Thanks very much. Certainly has been. David Prutton, thank you very much. Your second appearance of the week, is it? Uh, yeah. God knows. Yeah, did we? Yeah, we spoke on Monday, didn't we? Did we? Come on, did. Flying by, mate. That's what it is. Yeah. And if you if, if you want to watch football, West Brom Coventry tonight, Huddersfield Leeds tomorrow in the Nav. Watch that. Oh, you'll be watching Premier League stuff, won't you? Bruce, what's it. the um, what's the what's the figure for a crowdfunder to get you on this permanently with with Matt? Oh wow! If, if it, I'd, I'd rather get it directly off Matt. That would that would really <laughs> kind of float my boat. I don't know. Should okay. we do one of these? Like, um, what's it called? Wolf and Owl. If anyone listens to that, with Romish Rangan Ethan and Tom yes. Davis, or one of these, yeah, uh, or the Matt Ford one with John Richardson, where me and Prutz talk about our week, and Prutz can say, "Oh, I've covered a football game, and I travelled yes. the country," and I can say, "Oh, I sat and did I've the dishwasher this. and did the yes. washing after finishing the podcast." It'd be thrilling. Watch June two, and it was terrible. Yeah, we started a film, but can't remember the name of Asteroid it. Asteroid oh, City. Asteroid City, there Asteroid it is. Asteroid City. Watched half of it, couldn't figure it out. That did you text it. Laura just then and say, what did you watch? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. There's still over 300 people watching this. I know, this is, I mean, this is what the internet's for, isn't it? True. Dave Sanders <laughs> wants another hour of it. Another hour? Yeah. No, no, Mrs. Davis won't be very happy at that. I've got time. <laughs> where, where, where are you going for lunch? Uh, there's no. a, uh, a pub. I don't remember the name of the pub. Uh, at Foss Park, roughly near where I live, which is not in Nottingham. So, uh, yeah, we're going for lunch and then we're going to have nachos with extra cheese and jalapeno. <laughs> <laughs> that that those listening, those listening not viewing, Prutz has literally got his head in his hands and just wow. distraught. As midnight midnight New Zealand from, from Steve McQueen there. Midnight News. I mean, that both midnight. sounds like a film and a state of mind. We are in midnight in New Zealand, aren't we? The Twilight Zone. <laughs> Steve, why are you watching this nonsense at midnight in New Zealand? There must be something better to do. Why am I saying that? Trying to stop people watching. We'll leave it there. We'll be back tomorrow, uh, post-match show after the, the Liverpool game. 5am in Oklahoma, Richard. Good Lord. Uh, yeah, with uh, Mark and Chris Aylmer. Join us for that if you can. On Monday with Lewis McGugan and I think it's Mikey and Emily. I'm not sure. Uh, and then we shall take it from there. So good to have everyone with us. This has been uh, a lot of fun and a bit weird. So have a good uh, weekend, everyone. And we shall see you tomorrow. Sports Social Podcast Network.